Greetings from the Murder of Grey podcast. Where we look behind the curtain of our own minds. Alright, let's have some fun. Hello and welcome to the Murder Gray Podcast, where we take a look at different moral ethical dilemmas throughout time. Where we ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Hello, I am Christian. And I'm Chris. And thank you again for joining us for another fun episode as we dive into some more moral and ethical dilemma questions that we have found this week. Uh, This week, we are focusing on ones that have actually happened and could potentially still happen later on in history, right? Yeah, that's a good way of wording it. (laughs) That's phrasing. (laughs) Everybody likes a rambler. But so we found some really interesting moral dilemmas that have actual real world situations to them. And we want to kind of try and lean into that a little bit more. The hypothetical ones are fantastic and they're really cool to like hypothesize about. But these ones have actual real world stories behind them and so which makes them that much more bizarre when you actually hear them because they are strange (laughs) to say the least they are pretty intense and they get pretty weird i would say that's a nice way of putting it yeah i'm trying not to be mean about it (laughs) because some of them get pretty raunchy and fucked up but you know let's go back to the they're a little weird right (laughs) yeah yeah, so uh, I think these ones are going to be pretty fun for everybody. I mean, I really enjoyed them whenever I, I heard about them. So very good. why don't we just jump right into these bizarre questions that have actually happened. Remember that. I want you guys to really keep that in your mind. These situations are real, and it just makes them that much more interesting, I would say. So let's talk about tattoos for a minute, right? Yeah, to, bro. Let's I got get inked up. Let's get it. Let's do it. I want to get a, a really, really thin barbed wire around my bicep. And then on the other arm, I want to get a heart that says um, mom on it. Because, you know, love my mom. But I got to be tough. So the barbed wire, right? It makes sense. <laughs> I want tribal tattoos from my fingertips to my eyes. And <laughs> I want just a tiger tattooed on my face. I want to get a tribal tattoo on a cruise ship and then come back with braids and puka shell necklaces. <laughs> All right. So I have tattoos. Um, you don't have any tattoos, right? Do you? Uh, I had like a stick and poke at one point, but it's definitely gone away over time. Mm, yeah. So I, I mean, I love them. I want to get some more of them. And I totally understand the idea of them being, you know, misconstrued by society. There's some tattoos out there that are just kind of offensive to certain people to certain demographics or they carry different kinds of messages or different weight like for instance when we went to japan there was actually a lot of the hot springs that we weren't allowed to go to because i have tattoos um we actually had to find one that actually that said was you know tourist friendly so it wasn't like it was really fun but it wasn't like authentic japanese experience when we went there Mm. and you know that's to keep yakuza out of course you know i'm not a Yakuza, 
because you know I'm just not. I am Japanese, and yes, I have tattoos, but no, I'm not. <laughs> not part of the, I swear. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that it was an easy way to make sure that Yakuza wasn't around their establishment. Was to just ban all tattoos altogether, and that kind of stayed around for a while. Then you start seeing tattoos nowadays where they're just kind of ridiculous. I mean, look at. Some of the rappers nowadays, right? Like they just have these crazy tattoos all over their face and everything. Or some of the interesting stories with, let's say, Travis Barker, right? Um, not my favorite person in the world, but there was an interesting interview that he did once where they asked, asked him, what was the meaning behind all of the tattoos? Why did he decide to get fully covered up? And his response was he wanted to give himself two choices in life, to either become a musician or an artist. So that's why he wanted to cover himself up with ink. So, hmm. I, mean, I mean, I can respect that. But at the same time, it was like, that's kind of a very naive decision to make. But, you know, everyone do your own thing. If you think it's the right way to go, that's totally for you. It's kind of badass, you know, especially comparing to like Lil Xan, who just has like Z's under his eyes, like tattooed on. Or fucking Takashi 6ix9ine with the 6ix9ines. Mm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just as bad. <laughs> So this one's really interesting and it actually has some medical issues or situation or dilemmas attached to it. So felt perfect for the situation right now. So in 2017, there was a 70 year old man who was admitted to the hospital and he was unconscious and he was in septic shock. Um, he was lacking all identification. So they, they didn't know who this guy was. They couldn't figure out what was going on. He was just, you know, he needed help. And there was a tattoo that was put across his chest that says, do not resuscitate on his chest. Now, there's a way, there was no way for the doctors to actually confirm whether this was legit, if that had any legal standings or whatever it was, because they couldn't identify this person to begin with. So they weren't actually able to look into his records. So they had to actually call in ethics, uh, the ethics consultant at the hospital to figure out what you know, what to do, like, what can they potentially do for this? So because if, for instance, if they do happen to resuscitate this man, be, even though he's unconscious, right, try and save his life, he could be, or the, the hospital could be potentially sued for saving this man's life because of that tattoo that says do not resuscitate. Now, like, to me, that's bizarre. And like, it's such a hard position to be in as a doctor, right? Like, your whole job is to save this man's life. Like, that's what you've been trained for. But then you see this tattoo and then you have to think, like, is this a joke? Is this legit? Does this hold weight? Is this, like, actually legally binding? It's pretty bizarre and bonkers. And I still don't really know how to fully take it, right? Like, what's what's your standing on this? When you see the pictures that you see here, um, there is some imagery that we have found um of a uh, actual like uh, news document or news listing of it. And it just says, do not resuscitate with the knot underlined and it's square across this man's chest. It's just like right there. So I, I don't know if you saw this as a doctor, how would you take it? I mean, I, especially if it was someone younger, I'm not, I'm not saying this against older people, but I'd be like, is this like a song title that they just really enjoyed? And then they put it on their chest. Like I, I swear I've seen somebody with one of these tattoos before, but I didn't think anything of it. But at the same time, it's just kind of weird. Like, I don't, 
I don't understand. Like, was it a drunk accident? Right? Like, yeah. Like, I'm it? like, are they just doing it to be edgy? But seeing as this is like a 70 year old person, and I mean, from the image, the tattoo doesn't look that new. Like, it looks like it's probably at least 20 years or so. You know? Yeah. I All mean, I can't really are... tell, but well, the the outline's pretty blown out. So I would say that he got this when he was younger. So this is a pretty old tattoo at this point. And or just, the artist was really bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be too. Yeah, But, I mean, like you said, like the legal thing, you you probably just can't do anything about it. I mean, it's kind of weird that there was no identification on them and that they couldn't really get identification. Like, you think they could, like, fingerprint or do something to maybe check, but I guess that's... I mean, Another... that's time sensitive too, right? So, true. Like, how much time do you really have from when the patient comes in to the when they potentially die? Like, he was unresponsive at that point, and he was going into shock already. So, I mean, I think legally, if you saw that, you wouldn't have to do anything. I mean, if they if lawyers try to come in, you'd be like, "Well, this is the tattoo. Like, it says that. Like, what? You know? I mean, granted, people have tattoos that say you know, kill them all or something like that. It's like, well, is this person actually going to kill these people? But it's like, I don't know. I've never seen something like this, really. Like, Or like, look at American History X. I mean, Edward Norton had a big-ass swastika on his chest, but he wasn't a neo-Nazi anymore at the end, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a whole thing about, like, gang, like, ex-gang members getting their tattoos removed. Yeah. So, I mean, people are coherent of their tattoos. It's just like... It's weird because looking at it as like an older person that got it, like I would more so want to like, why did they do that? You know, like why, why would you not want to live? I mean, mm-hmm. hospital bills are a bitch, you know, excuse my language, but it's, it's true though. I just don't really see, I would, if someone out there listening has a tattoo like this, please let me know. Like I'm actually genuinely curious as to like, why? You know, like, why would you not want to be resuscitated? But, I mean, I think the doctor's totally in the fine if they don't save him just because, I mean, this is obviously a thing. Yeah, but is that, is that a legal binding thing? That's that's the ultimate question here, right? Like, it, whenever you have do not resist, resuscitate forms, like, you have signatures, you have dates, True. you have stuff like that, right? Like, this just says do not resuscitate. Like, it... It doesn't have anything else. Like like you mentioned before, it could just be a band name. It could be just a, a decision he made when he was younger. Like, who knows? Maybe this 70-year-old guy was like, you know, a old school, like, hardcore biker guy, right? And he thought it was badass, like, right? Like, I mean, if he gets resuscitated, what's the worst that will happen? He'll get mad. And, I mean, if he really didn't want to be resuscitated, he could just get himself another accident again. That's true. Or he can go to Oregon and get the assisted suicide, I guess, right? Or whatever oh, my God. I mean, if you really, if he was really at that point where it's like, oh, I should be dead right now, but it's just so bizarre and bonkers to me. I I feel like I would be much more upset at the family if they did sue the hospital because like they can't hold a tattoo as a legal binding contract. True. Like, and since he doesn't have any identification, they can't look it up anyway. So, right. Well, I mean, save his ass. Well, I guess on the flip side of that, like, okay, so I'm allergic to penicillin, right? And there is like a wristband or an ankle band that like I actually went to a hospital once and they asked like, where's your wristband? I went, what? 
And it was one of those things like, oh, like if you come in unconscious, the first thing they're going to give you is penicillin and you're allergic to that. Like, where's the identification to say that? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I never thought that I would need that. So I kind of did a quick Google search on it. And I saw tattoos of that wristband of the like allergic to penicillin like symbol. Like there's like an actual like kind of like logo, I guess, for that, for the for the wristband or ankle band or whatever the hell it is. I'm looking it up because I've never seen this before. Yeah. So it's I mean, it makes sense because like I could have a pretty bad reaction if they do give me penicillin. And if I am happen to be unconscious and there's no one to tell them like, oh, you know, he's allergic to this, like that it could be potentially pretty harmful. And there are tattoos that I've seen people getting um, in like very like convenient places that are easily seen that they say is to let doctors know like, hey, you know, I am allergic to this. So, I mean, if there's like a do not resuscitate like symbol, right, or like a logo and that was tattooed on the body, then I would probably say that holds a little bit more legal weight rather than just the words do not resuscitate. Oh, I've seen people with these kind of tattoos before. Mm-hmm. With the penicillin. I never knew that was a thing. I didn't even know the wristbands were a thing. Yeah. It's weird. So. But they should be able to, like, I talked to another doctor and they're like, they should be able to pull your records. Like, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Hmm. But I guess it is a possibility. So. I don't know. I'm kind of wondering about that now. Like, is there, is there like a do not resuscitate like symbol that like if you saw if you saw that symbol, like you would probably react the same way that you saw like the penicillin thing, right? You'd be like, okay, like I I, I take this a little bit more seriously now because it wasn't just like a phrase that they got tattooed on their body. It was like actually like it has medical meaning behind it. It looks like, because I just did a quick, like, image search, Mm -hmm. and I mean, it looks like some people have, like, a certain symbol for it, but it's, like, it's so basic, it could be really anything. But looking at it, seems like a lot of people actually have this tattoo, Mm. you know, like, more than just this one person. So maybe it's more common to do it that way, like, maybe that's, I mean, I would say that's probably, like, the better way to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no other way you can really tell them if you're, like, <laughs> if you're unconscious, you know? Right. What the fuck? Yeah. No CPR, nothing. What yeah, they, they have quite a few of those things out there, so I'm I'm curious if it's, if it's actually a thing, like. I guess sometimes they do a signature below it as the tattoo. Mm. So that's, like, your your legal document is you signing it that way i guess yeah hmm. seems like what some people seem to be doing oh, okay i see this one it has it says dnr and it has their actual signature underneath and it's right over their chest yeah like that i think i would take a lot more seriously than it just saying you know do not resuscitate across wow yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one to me because, like, I, what do you do in that situation as a doctor? Do you just look at it and go, well, well, that's it. Can't do anything about it. 
So what I was looking at the story, and apparently someone had this situation before as well. And since they didn't know what to do, they just kind of gave him like basic life support to just kind of keep him there while they were, uh, you know, trying to find out more information. Mm. And I guess within that time that they were able to keep him alive, uh, they were able to come up with an idea about it. And even though it is like kind of weird, you do want to respect it mm. apparently to that ethics coordinator. Okay. So it is legit. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And most people will just get the DNR tattooed on without having to do the whole thing as well. Right. I guess the ones who are more extreme and more serious get the whole thing across. <laughs> and by prolonging him too, they were able to check his fingerprints. Mm, so okay, there is. So maybe that. not like a full resuscitation, but make him stable until they confirm. Since they, he wasn't, since they didn't have any information on him. Yeah, they basically did everything except put like the tube down his throat, kind okay. of thing. Okay, you know, because I mean that that would hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that makes sense to me. Like at least, at least hold off until you find out exactly what's going on, and then yeah. if you do like find out the real information then you can kind of move on from there and go forward. Yeah, it's it's pretty bonkers some of the stuff that's there. Like they they even have tattoos for like diabetes too, which is pretty important, right? Like no, oh, yeah. Go into shock and they pick you up and at least you have some sort of like easy way of letting paramedics know exactly what's going on with you. So I mean, that's going back to one of our past episodes about the chip in your skin. I mean, yeah, you can have your differences against it, but having like a medical record like actually on you in case you don't update, you know, your Apple health records or whatever, or you don't have your phone on you. It's nice to have some kind of record like if you get picked up, you know, and they need to know something about you. It is kind of nice. You know, it, it sucks having your data and information out there, but being able to just like scan something on you or even, you know, like a tattoo, it it makes it kind of nice for them to do the best that they can as well. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because I didn't really look at that like that before this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of medical complications out there. So giving them as much information as possible is nice to know. I just think that the do not resuscitate one is probably the most extreme case of that instance. So, yeah. All right, so I think it's about time to move on to the next uh, interesting story here we have here. So in 2000, so in the year 2000, you know, year of Y2K, everyone's terrified of everything in the world. <laughs> a 34-year-old woman uh, from the Maltese island of Gogo, or Gojo was pregnant with conjoined twins, Jody and Mary. Uh, they were attached by the pelvis and fused at the spinal cords. Uh, Jody had developed a healthy brain, heart, and lungs capable of supporting herself, but Mary hadn't developed any of them properly and relied on Jody to survive. So the question here becomes what do the parents do, right? So the what the doctors recommended was that they, you know, cut Mary off so that Jody can then survive and live a full life. Uh, because if they don't, then they might have, you know, about six months to a year to live and, you know, and then eventually both 
both girls would probably pass away if they stayed conjoined. Uh, now, if they cut Mary off, Jody's going to then survive and thrive while Mary will pretty much she will die because she doesn't have fully developed organs and all that just yet. And then there's the final option of do nothing. <laughs> right like just oh, God. let let god take the wheel basically just like just totally throw your hands up and just see what happens and it's actually pretty interesting because all right so before we get into what you would do in this situation between those three options right mm-hmm. if it was your kid there's actually a case that happened as well in 1977 that's been documented and there's a jewish couple in philadelphia that faced the same issue with their twins And what they did is they took the, you know, let God decide approach and they spoke with their rabbi and apparently it went to like rabbi council. I don't don't know the right terminology for that. I'm sorry, everybody out there. Uh, But what they decided was to actually cut the weaker twin off because they were already in the eyes of God designated for death, which is pretty intense i would say right like Mm -hmm. if you have your rabbi saying like oh your daughter has already been decided to die right then you need to cut her off of the other one separate them so that the other one can then live a full life so imagine this situation that you're in you just had twins you just get you know it's your babies like these are your babies and instantly a doctor is telling you you have to choose like you have to either kill one or let both die, or just, you know, do nothing and see what happens. And both will probably die, right? Like, so, I don't know, man. What do you do? It's your it's your kids. You're looking them in the eyes. It's first, like, you're hearing them scream for the first time, you know? Like, it's a tough choice out there. I mean, if one of them doesn't have organs, it's like, there's nothing you could really ever do. You know, you can't give them fake organs, because... What if their body didn't even form the place where you could put, you know, like artificial organs or even like a transplant? You know, there's really, plus there's so little you can't really even do that. So, I mean, there's no point in really trying to either, you know, just give up or it, it makes sense that you would have to cut the one off that doesn't have any kind of developments because, I mean... Just leaving it up to God, it's like they're both going to die. One, you know, the organs mm-hmm. can't house both bodies. Yeah. You know, and it's it's interesting because I have heard people bring up situations like, you know, at least in religious situations. Oh, what would you do? And everyone's like, well, we would just let fate run its course and not do anything. But it's like you're potentially it, condemning both lives at that point. It's does the other one because there's no organs? Does it even really count? as a life at that point like Mm. if it's just kind of like there hanging like i mean yeah it's feeding off of the others like organs and stuff you know to live but it's alive but is it really alive right exactly does it have a heart no yeah the whole being itself conjoined has a heart but you know, that being is going to end up killing the other. And to me, I feel like that would be a much greater weight to carry on your shoulders than to try and, you know, save Mm -hmm. your child. Like for me, hell yeah. I would want to save my child as best as I can if it means removing 
the one that's not going to make it, like, it has to happen. You know, I wouldn't want, you know, them to die. Yeah. You know, and this is really the best solution. And I've always thought about that with conjoined twins. Because you see some of them who actually live to be older, but they have their own organs and everything. And that, you know, that makes more sense. But a situation like this, like, it's just better to split it up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with all conjoined twin cases, like there, that is always a risk that you run into, right? Like either one of the twins dies or there's always the risk of both of them passing away because, you know, they're they're going to be sharing something at that point, right? So, mm-hmm. and you know, like you said, there are some conjoined twins out there who do live long, healthy lives or, you know, as healthy as possible, which is amazing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But at that point, like how do you know right like how do you know if they are going to be that like one in a million shot to make it and i don't think as a father or as a parent i would be able to like i man like making that decision or being the one who doesn't make a decision and just you know let's fate decide what's going on i don't think i could hold that weight hold that burden on my life you know like that like i i the the spiral of depression or like thinking like I could have done something to at least save one of them, you know, like that guilt would just rain down on me so heavily. Mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, I feel like the best situation would be to give Jody the best life that she possibly could and remember Mary for everything that she gave. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, yeah, you are cutting, way of putting it. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, no matter what, that's still your daughter, too, right? Like, that's still your baby. But, I mean, a lot of babies do happen to pass away as soon as they're born. It's, it's just an unfortunate reality that we go through. And it, this is just another one of those situations. It's just tougher because you're actively making that choice to potentially end the life of one of your children. Like, it, because, I mean, yeah, sure, like... The, she doesn't have fully developed organs and she's using a lot of the organs from the other twin. But I know in my mind, like she's a lie. Like, like if it was my baby, like I would, I, in my head, I would, know, I would say like, she is alive still. Right. Like it, I don't think I would be able to fully separate that fact that like, she's not really living. You know what I mean? Right. Cause I mean, that's whenever like your parent, like, instincts take over fully and it would just be really difficult to separate those two situations out but i think yeah i would have to i would have to separate i would have to separate them so that i could potentially let jody live and like really live for both of them and just Mm -hmm. you know i I think that would probably be the best the best way to do it no i think that's the perfect answer to it you know such a horrible situation, though, to be in. It kind of brings me up to another question. I mean, this we can save for a different, you know, episode down the line. No, but, you know, there comes the stories, too, where it's like, you know, the, when the mother is giving birth, you know, if the child is going to cause the death mm. of the mother, you know, I think that'd be an interesting thing to dive into as well. Yeah, what do you do, right? Like, um, and it's... A lot of the times at that point, like maybe the mother's unconscious and it's up to the husband to make that ultimate decision or the father or whatever, right? Like or yep. the family. And that's, oh God, I, I can't even imagine being in that situation. Yeah. Oof. 
Like, can you can you look your wife in the face without even seeing your unborn child and say, well, the baby's going to live, right? You know, like, uh, yeah, I, I can't. Yikes. Yeah, that would be that would be a tough one to really dive into. I would like to actually like look up some more stuff on that, right? And like get more yeah. of an educated response behind that. Instead of just going purely on gut reaction. Because <laughs> gut yeah. reaction right now is, oh God, I don't know what to do. Like I it's like that whole like decision paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that would really, really affect me so hard that I would have such hard decision paralysis that I would just be locked up and just be like, uh, I don't know what to do. Like someone help me. <laughs> someone make this choice for me, damn it. Because I can't, and like having that that once again, like having that choice weighed on my my mind at all for forever, right? Like, of course, like at that point, I think the connection with your child is going to be so intense that you're going to be so protective, and you know, like. But there are some parents out there that hold some resentment for those children too. But like you mm-hmm. said, we can go into that with a uh, in a much deeper deeper topic on a later episode. I would love to dive yeah. into that some more. So, yeah. Okay, so we've had a couple conversations about some pretty serious medical issues out there, right? We, you know, we talked about do not resuscitate tattoos and how much legality they actually hold. We've talked about the the ability to weigh life and death and make decisions about your own children and decide which one lives and dies. I want to talk about something a little bit more lighthearted, I would say, in to a certain extent, right? Of course, this lighthearted. is lighthearted. It's not. Well, I guess it can be seen as comical. How about that? Is that better? I guess so. Kind of. I'm just digging myself a hole. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And I'm just going to shut the hell up and just give you guys this next topic. <laughs> God, I'm a horrible person. This one, like, it just seems a lot darker than the other two but i mean it's it's not about like death or nothing so i mean yeah i guess that's kind of where i'm saying with the lightheartedness it's not like you're not weighing decisions of life and death but it's yeah, still really fucked it's up. it's still really fucked up god now i just feel like a dick thanks <laughs> you should <laughs> i did it to myself so i deserve everything i'm sorry don't hate me people <laughs> i was just trying to bring up the mood after talking about death for so much <laughs> okay so here we go this is yeah you know what no this is a really fucked up one too so just you know sit down relax and just kind of grit your teeth and bear it for a second because this uh bad bad wording fuck okay yeah <laughs> when you when you came up with something funny i uh i think you were looking at the other question on there you're, so, I mean, you're right you're right okay yeah okay all right here we go so in may of 2014 iowa state representative Henry Ray Rayhans, yeah, visited his Alzheimer's afflicted wife Donna at the nursing home where she lived at the time. So, according to him, she was upset because she'd moved, uh, she'd been moved from a private room to a shared room earlier that day, and he spent his visit calming her with handholding and prayer. How how warming of the heart, right? Don't don't worry, honey. We're we're gonna let God, you know, get us through all of these troubles. Well. Her new roommate had a different interpretation of the evening's events, claiming that Henry entered the room, closed the privacy curtain, had sex with Donna, and then exited into a, the hallway. 
a security tape later that was seen, and we do have the footage here as well, which is kind of ridiculous, uh, shows uh, Mr. Henry throwing away a pair of panties that was later to be found uh, that had his semen all over it. So, yeah, they probably had sex. (laughs) So now, at first, you're probably thinking, well, you know, a husband just had sex with his wife. Big deal, right? But the story is a much more difficult one to deal with than that. So his wife is dealing with Alzheimer's. She does have dementia. And the doctors did inform him that they should not have sex and they should cease all sexual activity uh, because she's has um, she's not able to fully consent. She doesn't have the mental capacity to make the right judgments to give his give proper consent because there are times in which she would not even know that that is her husband. Right. So. That's where the issue kind of comes into play here. Regardless of the fact that this is her husband, the fact that she can't remember it or is having trouble recalling who he is, it no longer becomes consensual. Um, And immediately after the funeral, uh, he was faced with third degree sexual abuse. So it's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like, what what do you do in this situation? Like, he he does plead not guilty eventually in the case. Um, he says that no sexual activity had occurred uh, on that date. Uh, but, you know, there was, like, they, they didn't have any definite proof of her actually undergoing sexual activity because they didn't do any tests automatically at that time, right? So, you know, like, with the kits and all that things. They only found her underwear with semen in it. So he might not have actually had sex with her. There was also no signs of bruising or abuse or anything like that um, that, that they found on her. So he still pleads on guilty for it, but he did end up, um, yeah. So he did end up uh, getting filed for, or was it convicted of third degree sexual abuse for this situation? Hmm. So it it's a tough story to hear, you know, like. I mean, this guy just wanted to get his with his wife, I guess. I, I don't know. But, like, she has dementia. So, like, I guess the, the big question here is, like, about consent, right? And, yes, like we meant, I mentioned, they were married. So they were a married couple. Like, that is, and this is something that they've probably done their whole life. I would, I would hope so as a married couple. They've been, you know, sexually active their whole life. And he wants to show love to towards his wife but at the same time he has to remember the fact that like she might not be there mentally at the time Mm -hmm. like she might not know what's actually going on and at that point he's taking advantage of the situation but in his eyes he might not see it that way because he still sees her as just his wife so it's i mean i i can kind of get like his side of the story but i'm not sympathizing with him at all like i i feel like she is in a position that he needs to be much more sensitive about and he needs Mm -hmm. to take it a lot more seriously and like really know the severity of this of this like alzheimer's is terrifying like you're losing yourself you're losing everything that makes you you and that includes the people that you love around you right like it's just so ah yeah, it's it, it's tough for everybody, but he just needs to be more sensitive with the situation. I mean, I think it like if I was in the situation where, you know, like my wife had Alzheimer's, like 
I don't even think I'd be interested in that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it is kind of weird. I mean, everybody's different. So, I mean, there's that. But it's just like, I know for me, I'd be too depressed to even think about that. And it's like... <sighs> That's true, huh? Like, this guy must be really fucking horny. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it's like... In order to be that on, like, in this situation, like, I, I would be doing everything I can. I would be bringing photos. I would be bringing movies. I would be bringing, like, you know, written letters, everything I had, and just showing them to her and reading and, like, trying to figure out different ways to bring just, like, some, even small glimpses or small moments back so that she can actually have some recollection, right? Some comfort in the idea that, like, oh, like, I am still a loved one. I'm here for you, right? And this is why, right? Like, not like, hey, let's bang, right? <laughs> yeah, it just, I mean, another thing too is like, it, it for him to do that when another person was in the room as well, like, it's just kind of weird. But I mean, also the person that was in the room, when they hit the button to call the nurse, if they like, like, suspected it i mean granted they have the cameras and stuff but i feel like you know it's i guess we're kind of getting away from the question a little bit like is it you know morally okay but i mean it there is a point where you know they won't remember and i mean there isn't enough proof out there that like oh they'll remember you know who you are during that time it's to an extent you know, it. I just feel like it'd be kind of wrong, yeah. honestly, to do it. Because, I mean, a person obviously, you know, can't, can't think straight in a sense. And it's just taking advantage of a situation. I mean, granted, you love this person. You've been with them for probably decades. But it's like, like you said before, like, I would just want to be there to comfort. Right. You know, I wouldn't... I, <sighs> Even if it was a private room with no one else there, I I wouldn't do it. Like, it's just... I think that would be so far from my mind. It's just weird. Like, when I first read this question, I was like, maybe they didn't have intercourse and maybe he, like, was just there, like, jacking off or something. Right. And maybe that's what he did. But But yeah, then that's even weirder because it's like, I don't know, man. It just seems so wrong. But... Like, I... So there's a little bit in this story that leads me to kind of maybe see where he was coming from. Um, So regardless of how far gone she was in her dementia, she did seem to react very positively whenever he would come to visit, almost like she remembered who he was every time. Mm. Right. So there is that aspect, which I think would be really confusing for him as well. Right. Like, and maybe that would lower the severity of the situation in his eyes. Because, regardless of every time he goes there, she would seem to know who he is and react, I mean, like, in react appropriately according to what the nurses were saying. But still, like, how how appropriately was she reacting right was it just like a a smile like a like a general happiness whenever or like an upbeat mood or was it like oh it's my husband you know like how how much recollection did she actually have whenever he came to visit i think that would be another like another thing to look at and analyze in this situation and that's what i was thinking it's like you know i mean i don't know how well document 
documenting all that is like, you know, every week or something like, oh, let's document how coherent they are of like certain situations. Cause then you can kind of see like, you know, if they still know who it is and they're still happy with that person, like then obviously like they do, they're, they're that aware. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's to the point where they don't know who that person is, then I mean, yeah, then obviously it's not consent, you know, because it, I don't know. This is so weird to me. I mean, I just keep going back to thinking like, why would you fucking do that in a place like that? Like, well, and apparently according to this article as well, that there are some doctors and um, like scientists out there who do say that the desire for sex does persist even past the point in which a patient can no longer take care of themselves. So that desire is still there supposedly for most patients. Uh, but it's, but is it with that person? You right, know? Like, exactly. Or is it just like that raw, you know, like general need to repopulate, you know, like the the whole like evolution idea. Like, oh, this sex? just feels good. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, like, is it just a pleasure based thing or is it actually like I I know this is my husband and I want to. Right. Like at what point is it is it just them knowing what feels good and reacting positively to it or reacting to it positively because of who it is right so it's it's still it's still really like it's god that's hard it's tough but i still i i I think he shouldn't have even been doing anything like that in the situation at all yeah like he yeah he really should have been focusing on like how can I do things better? Like I would have been looking up different like studies or different therapies that you can bring in. Like music therapy is supposed to be really helpful for Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, well, actually, in my final project for my gaming school, we did a platformer based on Alzheimer's, and a lot of the puzzles and things that I designed for the game were based off of real world Alzheimer's therapies. Uh, one was like, you know, pattern recognition. Another one was musical therapy. And apparently like playing certain types of music uh, actually help like uh, clean up a lot of like the buildup of gray matter on the mind or on the brain so that it, you can actually turn back dementia to a certain extent and actually fight it, which is really interesting. And I, I feel like I would be doing those kind of things. That would be the thing on my forefront, right? Like that would be my primary focus is what can I do to help? Not what can I do to help myself, right? Like his, his what he did, it feels really selfish. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those are some pretty fun. <laughs> oh, you know, it's what we quoted in the past, and I feel like we haven't said it enough lately. But those are some fund up questions, right? This, and what makes them so much more interesting is the fact that they hold real world weight. These are actual situations that happen in the real world that really make you go like, well, like, uh, like you know, you're you're on the fence with your with your choices, and it's it's crazy to think like we've throughout the show we've we've analyzed a lot of different. The, uh, theoretical moral dilemmas like with the trolley problem you know with like aliens coming down and you know offering to teach us everything but they have to take a child and abduct them and you know torture them for the rest of the child's life like there, there's a lot of theoretical questions out there that you can debate to you know to the cows come home to the end of time 
But whenever you actually see these moral questions being played out in real world situations, they really hold a lot more weight and they become a lot more difficult to answer. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of biases that do come into play when it becomes real world people. And that's something that we tried. I, I feel like we really did a good job of trying to not put those biases in and just look at the problem as it is as a whole. So it's, it is really interesting and really fun. But if you guys have examples of real world dilemmas out there that you want us to tackle, to talk about, um, or anything like that, it could be throughout all of history. We definitely want to hear them so that we can talk about them on the show. But anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget to please share the show with a friend. If you're enjoying it, it's the best way for a podcast to continue to grow, especially a new one like this uh, is through word of mouth. So thank you guys for everyone who has shared it and shown us love and support. And just keep on plugging away. But with that, we're going to be signing off. And we'll be talking to you guys next week where we give bring you a new batch of really fun up ethical dilemma questions. All right. Uh, bye. Ciao.